This episode of Sword and Laser is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and enter offer code SWORD at checkout. A better web starts with your website. Welcome to the Sword and Laser episode number 183. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. And this is a science fiction and fantasy book club, podcast, book publisher, video show, um, other things. Book We're publisher. Other things, right? Not kidding around. I know. There Very exciting. There's the book itself. Um, I, you, you just keep a copy right there in your desk, huh? I don't, I don't have mine that handy. I do, because anytime I'm podcasting, it may come up, and then I can go, well, there it is. You want to look at that instead of me. <laughs> well, we are streaming live right now on diamondclub.tv. So hello to all the live viewers, also on a live Google Hangout. Um, so if you want to come check us out sometime uh, doing the show live, uh, usually we post about it on Tuesdays in the afternoon when we record, uh, typically around 3.30 to 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific time. So please join us there. It's always fun to do the show live. Um, but let's kick things off with what are we drinking, Tom? I'm having a Jamaican-style lager today Ooh. called... Red Stripe, or Stripa Roja, in no language. In no language, and specifically not in Jamaican. Definitely not in Jamaican. No. Which isn't really, is there a separate language? In Jamaican, they call it Red Stripe. I think they call it Red Stripe in yeah. English, which is what they Hence speak. the name Red Stripe. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, you know what, though? What I found is Red Stripe is always bargain priced, and it's really good. Oh, it's a good beer. Super good beer. Yeah. So, you know, if you're if you're just looking for your bang for your buck, it's it's a decent lager. I thought you weren't drinking beer anymore. I thought beer made you feel crappy. It does. Oh. Taking one for the team? <laughs> yes. That's like how I wear my contact lens, even though it makes my oh, head I, feel I just, crappy. I I think if I have one, it's fine. It's when I and I'm not and obviously when you have twelve, that's a problem. But uh yeah, I do I do get a little beer hangover differently from drinking other things. Gotcha. I am drinking so, yeah. Gluten, I don't know. Something. Maybe you're gluten intolerant. You should talk to Patrick, Patrick Beja. No, because um, I'm fine with sensitivities. Breads. Yeah. What are you drinking? I am drinking a 2011 uh, Canoe Ridge Cabernet Sauvignon, the Expedition. Canoe Ridge? I don't know. Nice. I got it from it the. Good? It's pretty good. Yeah, actually. And I did the thing where I opened the bottle like 10 days ago and left it on the counter with the cork in, uh-huh. but like, yeah. you know, uncorked. Yeah, it still still tastes great. It tastes better. It just oh. needs to breathe. It needs some air. <laughs> it's just slowly breathe through a cork. Yes, and then it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not bad though. I'm trying to get rid of all my open bottles of wine before I move this week. So. Oh right, yeah. This is also the cleanest my office has ever been and will it ever be in this particular and room. This is the last time we'll see it, huh? Yeah. Next time we podcast, I'll be in the new house. No kidding. Yay! Huzzah! I'm very excited. Is Lem moving in with you? Lem, oh, hold on. What, you just get up and leave in the middle? Big Lem is not. Oh, yes. But Yarn Lem is. Yarn Lem. Yes. um, Geeky uh, geeky Awesome Jen, at Geeky Awesome Jen, Jennifer, uh, brought me uh, this fabulous uh, knitted lem that she made for me. She brought it to Nerdtacular, um, where I met her in person. And she also made something for Tom, if I remember correctly. It's a knitted gavel. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> I use a gavel on the current Geek Podcast, so now I can more safely gavel people in the head. With um, the knitted gavel that, that won't hurt them. That is awesome. Uh, if you're not watching the video live stream, I have a picture of me and Jennifer with knitted lamb um, up on the blog at swordandlaser.com. So definitely go check it out. I am Thanks so again. thrilled. That was so awesome. That's a lot of work, man. That is like That's some good. serious skill. I can't well, do anything no. that creative. I am not definitely. a creative person. No, we just do podcasts. All right. Well, speaking of which, let's jump into the quick burns. Starting off with uh, a posting from Hyena in the news section on Goodreads. And remember, we want to hear what you guys want to know about news. And Hyena's was the only one in the past two weeks. So don't hold back. Get in the Goodreads and post the news. Because we need to drink our wine and beer. We don't have time to find news. I have time for this. I have time for that. And no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so thank you, Hyena, uh, who pointed out the bleedingcool.com article that... A writer, this is not an official announcement, but a writer named Simon Kinberg told Jeff Goldberg on a podcast that Ridley Scott is not just producing the Martian movie, he's going to direct it as well, and Matt Damon is in fact going to be the star. Yeah, I mean, we've we played around with some casting ideas. And, you know, I think we had heard a little bit about what may or may not happen um, in terms of a film upcoming uh, from from Andy Weir himself when we did that interview. But this is, you know, this is definitely like, like, um, I hope you guys can't hear the Hangouts talk. Um, that is annoying. I can't. You no. can't hear it? Well, it's no. part of Google, so I'm scared that it's being captured on the podcast. No, um, I'm not hearing a thing. Okay. Anyway, um, Andy, uh, you know, did mention that there was some some work being done uh, in regards to the book coming out as a film. Um, and uh, this looks like very promising. How do you feel about um, Matt Damon, though? I actually like Matt Damon. I mean, I also like to make fun of Matt Damon because Team America World Police did such a good job of making fun of Matt Damon's name. <laughs> But I think he's hilarious. I think he does a good job in many different kinds of movies. And so this, to me, is not a Ben Affleck being Batman situation. I, I actually think I can think of people that maybe I would have preferred a tiny bit. I, Sam Rockwell was mentioned in the thread mm -hmm. Uh, by someone, I think it was Bob, Fresno Bob, and I, I could totally go for that. Well, uh, I mean, but if you think but, about Sam Rockwell, I mean, he just came off Moon, and for him to yeah. go basically from Moon to the Makes Martian, sense, right? which is you go you know, to the moon trapped the on a planet, you know, trapped on an, uh, an object in space, yeah, like, it might be, he might like a typecast. typecast yeah. Uh, so I think Matt Damon will do a great job. I, I can see Matt Damon, especially having listened to the audiobook version, mm -hmm. where, which Andy Weir said it was a little more great rough than he imagined it writing and I could but I could see Matt Damon doing that kind of character yeah I can see him looking astronauty yeah or what is what are they cosmonauti 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 <laughs> that's a whole different movie starring <laughs> Matt Damon uh, and directed by Ridley Scott I think that's a cool thing, too, is not just a Ridley Scott production, but he's going to get in there and, and direct. It's also really setting it up for success in many ways, because you have yeah. like a major director, producer, you have a A-list a actor um, who does some incredible films. He does action films. He does, you know, more serious drama type films. He's a likable guy, um, which I think Watney is definitely a likable character. So I think I, I think it'll work out. Some people in the forums were, were like, I'm out. I'm done. Forget about I it. Know, I'm over Trike it. I said that. And, and I was um, found that very surprising. Matt Damon has that effect on people. Some people just are like, nope. nope Is he polarizing? I'm, I'm, I'm out Matt Damon. He, he, I think early in his career, 
he got cast in some people's eyes as as that guy. But I, I think he's redeemed himself in my eyes. Just the things he's done on Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> I know. I think he's really funny. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Uh, and this is going to be a Sandra Bullock moment. Like, he's going to be able to show off his chops. We will know Matt Damon's soul after this because he is on the screen alone for the most of this movie, one would imagine. That's, that's a very good point. I mean, there are other scenes, um, you know, at, at NASA and at other, um, other facilities around the world that take place in the book, but I think primarily it is very specifically all about Mark Watney and what he's going through on Mars. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. Does it do they have a date there? Uh, 2015, no, no actual release date, but sometime next year. So this thing's going to happen fast. So I, I don't know if you remember um, when we were talking in the pre-show about um, the bad smell that was happening in my house because of the construction. Yeah. Uh, now my entire house is shaking, like oh. vibrating intensely. So uh, that's let special. Me know if, if, if you have locusts. I started looking around to see if my, um, if my phone was ringing on my desk, and then I realized that my whole body was vibrating, not just uh, what was touching the desk. That's a cool ringtone. Shakes the whole house. So there's that. If you hear a deep rumbling happening right now, that's, that's me. All right, well, let's move well, on. Veronica's apartment is about to be swallowed by a hellmouth. Let me tell you about Scott Lynch's update uh, for The Thorn of Emberlane, the next in the Gentleman Bastard series. We will not have to wait six and a half years. This Yay. time, apparently, uh, although it's not going to make it out by 2014, Scott Lynch uh, via the Word Zone. Adam, uh, let us know about this on the Word Zone. Scott Lynch said that he will have it handed in by the end of the year, but it probably won't be published till 2015. Fantastic! And uh, now we also have the winners for the 2014 Locus Awards. Um, I believe we talked about the nominees in a recent episode, um, but now we have the actual winners. And there are some doozies um, for best science fiction novel, Abaddon's Gate by James S. A. Corey, which I know Tom is excited yeah. about. Yeah. And then for uh, and don't forget the Locus Awards are voted on by fans. So these this are fan is the, awards. These are the fan picks. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like you probably feel very vindicated, I guess. I don't know why I'm, you would feel vindicated. I'm happy. Validated. validated. Yeah, validated would be a, a good word. Uh, best uh, fantasy novel. At the end of the lane mm-hmm. for fantasy novel. That's cool. And first novel, Ancillary Justice by Anne Leakey. Um, I was pronouncing her name Leckie, and then someone said Leakey the other day, and so now I don't know what to do. I believe she told me Anne Leckie when I saw her at the Nebulas. Okay. And it, Anne, if I'm wrong, and I was just saying it that way, and you were too polite to correct me, <laughs> I'm sorry. Her her book agent said leaky to me, so oh, now, so now I'm confused. I would imagine yeah. Anne probably knows how to say her name better than anyone. Or she just was like, oh, well, that I just won't correct him. Yeah, but anyway, there's a lot in here. Uh, best uh, novella, Six Guns, Snow White uh, by Catherine M. Valente. Uh, novelette, The Sleeper and the Spindle by Neil Gaiman, winning lots of things. And anthology, Old Mars, uh, which was edited by George R. R. Martin and Gardner Dussois. So very cool stuff. A lot of stuff to check out. You remember how J.K. Rowling said we will not see another Harry Potter story from her? Mm-hmm. She's a liar. She's a total liar. Over at Pottermore now, you can get a column uh, written from the perspective of Rita Skeeter, the journalist, describing Harry Potter at age 34, as well as his wife, his closest friends, and a few other recurring characters. This all feels very fan service Yeah. I haven't read it yet myself. Um, did you get a chance to, to look through it? I haven't read it yet. I just saw it this morning that it was that it was posted. So I, I do want to go read it, though. 
Yeah, it's very exciting for for Big Potter fans. Um, I, I probably will check it out eventually. I've read all the books, um, but I'm not like biting at the you know chomping at the bit to 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 pick up this next story. Um, but is is it free online? I you know I I believe so. Although I'm looking at Pottermore right now, and I don't see an obvious link to it, so I'm not sure how you find it. Okay, well maybe it's behind a paywall or something. I'm not sure off the top of my head. Um, but anyway, uh, moving on to to some insidery baseball stuff. Uh, we are kind of going to LonCon three um, by way of via uh, Open Road Media. Um, so we're working in conjunction with them to bring you some author interviews uh, from LonCon in London. And uh, we're going to be talking to Kate Elliott, Ian McDonald, Robin McKinley, um, Ian McLeod, uh, Todd McCaffrey, who we've had on the show before, Liz Williams, and Simon Green. And uh, so we have a thread up right now on Goodreads where you can go and ask some questions. Now, they're going to be pretty general questions because what we're going to do is take all those questions and responses and put them together into kind of a, a mecha video, like a... Transform like Autobots video like, will, like yeah, roll out, like form together to create a machines. giant video of answers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's going to be really cool. Um, so that's going to be in August uh, when LonCon happens. Um, so we're collecting all of your questions now. And uh, then, yeah, we'll put them together in a great collaborative video project uh, with us in Open Road. So I'm really well, excited about that. Veronica, I know what our plan is, is that we record ourselves asking the questions and then they'll ask them to them there and we'll edit it all together. Don't you think it would be easier for us to just fly to London? <laughs> no. 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 Worth a shot. I mean, unless you're paying. Are you paying, Tom? I'm sure we could crowdsource it. Yeah. I don't know. I ain't got time for that, unfortunately. I really wish I could go, but it's been a busy, busy summer. Um, but I'm happy that we're able to still get these answers and, and ask these questions to these awesome authors, even though we won't physically be able to be there. So thanks for yes. Open Road for um, helping to yeah, make that awesome. possible. Yeah. Thank you, Open Road. You guys rock. Uh, did you know that our episode is sponsored by the same people that make it possible for us to have a website where people get the podcast that they're listening to right now? No. It's like Inception. <laughs> like Podception? Yeah, it's Podception. Uh, it's called Squarespace. Have you heard of it? I have. I have heard about it many times. How, yes. did you hear, how did you hear about it? That is because that is the very platform on which we create swordandlaser.com. Do you find it fast and easy? Because I do. I do. It is fast and easy to create a blog, a website, a portfolio, really any kind of website that you are looking to create. I actually think it is one of the things that has saved the calendar on sword and laser because let me be honest veronica just for a moment here can i be honest mm-hmm, always of all the lies that i normally tell um i find updating the calendar tedious sometimes because it's just like oh, i gotta find these dates and stuff and the fact that it's so easy to just slap the text in there and make a highlight and make it a link on squarespace makes me keep doing it because, and also because then people like it. But uh, that's just like the simplest thing that Squarespace does. You can do like full portfolios. You created that whole store, which was beautiful with all the big graphics and stuff in Squarespace. Yeah, I mean, it's really easy. You just import the pictures. You just basically drag and drop them where you want them to go, where you want them to fit in with other text uh, on the blog or on the website page, and, and you're good to go. Yeah. Plans start at $8 a month. They include a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Uh, They've got great support. They have an online store notice in there. Start a trial with no credit card required. Don't 
you know, you may want to give, don't give them your credit card. They don't, don't want your credit card. They don't want it. Until, when you start building your website, they're like, no, we don't, we don't care about that. Just build a beautiful website. Use one of our templates. Then when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to go to squarespace.com and use the offer code SWORD to get 10% off your first purchase, then then you get them the credit card and show your support for Sword and Laser at the same time. Uh, yep. We thank Squarespace for their support of Sword and Laser. Squarespace, a better web, starts with your website. Time for some picks. Picks. I'm a pickin' and you're also a pickin'. Hey, so we have been um, collecting reviews from you guys, uh, which we uh, post on the website under the Featured Reviews header. And uh, you guys have been great about sending them in. I have been bad about posting them as often as I should. Uh, but the most recent one is a featured review about Dr. Sleep by Stephen King. This one was written by Derek Brown. Um, so he did a great thorough review. Um, this is uh, the book, in case you don't know, is is kind of what happens next after the, uh, the 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 happenings, the occurrences that took place in The Shining. So it's like I believe it's like 30, 30 years later or something like that. Um, and we're we're learning about the kid and what happens to him in his later life. Uh, so the yeah. kid and the custodian, I believe, right, are the two main characters. I don't know. I'm too scared to watch The Shining or read it. The Shining, I loved. Shining was the first horror film that I could watch as a kid because it wasn't just a bunch of stabbing. And yeah. so I wasn't I wasn't like, oh, this isn't gory and gross. It's psychological. And I was like way into it. But it's still creepy, like the little girls. Oh, it's super and creepy, the, yeah. I saw some great shots um, that were taken on set of the two little twin girls. And they're just like happy and little tiny kids and like having a blast. But they're in this horrific makeup. Um, <laughs> like it's, it's pretty, pretty fun to see. Um, All work and no play makes Veronica a dull girl. All work and no play make Veronica go something, something. Here's Don't Veronica. mind if I do. Um, what are you reading? Uh, I'm still reading Cibola Burns. Uh, I've I've had some things get in the way of my reading. Uh, so I finished uh, Traveling in Space and I enjoyed it. Uh, really, really enjoyed Jeff Kanata's reading of it. And a really intriguing premise that I liked the concepts they played with in it about, if you don't know, it's about aliens discovering Earth. And they thought they were the only life in the universe until they discover Earth and what happens after that. Um, Spola Burns, of course, the James S.A. Corey novel. I'm a little over halfway through that. I did get distracted by Nerdtacular this weekend uh, in Salt Lake City that we were both at. Mm -hmm. And I got a little distracted by Civilization Revolutions 2 on the iPad. <laughs> I've been distracted a little bit myself by uh, Hearthstone. Um, so that's been... Uh taken up a lot of my time, more so than I care to admit. Um, but I'm finishing up uh, Hunted by Kevin Hearn, The Iron Druid Chronicles number six. I believe I mentioned that in the last episode. I just downloaded Shattered, uh, which is the most recent book that he released um, on Audible. Uh, so I'm looking forward to getting started with that. And uh, also, I just finished our book club pick for the month. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm making progress with, with Dawn by Octavia Butler, and we'll talk more about that later. Yeah, but there's a lot more stuff coming up, too. Um, Half a King by Joe Abercrombie is out today, July 8th. And by the way, if you're going to be in San Francisco on July 28th, uh, we are all going to the Joe Abercrombie meetup at Borderlands here in, uh, in the Mission. Um, so if you want to come see Joe Abercrombie, you know I do. Uh, come join us July 28th Wait, at Borderlands in San Francisco. July 34th. Isn't July 31st the Sword and Laser meetup? No, July 28th is the Joe Abercrombie meetup. July 31st is the Sword and Laser meetup. 
So that's like we're competing. People are people don't have to choose. They can go to both, right? They can go to both. Why do no? Yeah, they're two different. They're two different days. You have time at the don't same tell place. Me you don't have time to go to both. You ha- you totally have. Time. I am they're going. The same place. What are you talking no, about? I'm talking to the audience. Oh. Oh. Because they're out there saying like I can't. Go- yes, you can. You can go to both. Well, if you're gonna pick one, come to the sword and laser beat up. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. I I mean everyone loves Joe Abercrombie though, so you're probably gonna do that. I mean, listen, absolutely adore Joe Abercrombie. Can't wait to read Half a King, but it's only Half a King. You go to the Sword and Laser Meetup, <laughs> get a whole, get king. a whole, get get a whole king. king. That's all I'm saying. I can't a, promise any kings will show up. I can't make those kinds of promises. <laughs> Offer for king is not a valid. Yeah, not, not valid after the. Uh, also out on July 15th next week, The Causal Angel by Hanu Rajaniemi, which has been highly anticipated by the critics. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious to read that one as well. Year's Best Science Fiction, the 31st Annual Collection, edited by The Gardener Dozoy, and uh, Full Fathom 5 by Max Gladstone, ah. as well as The High Druid's Blade, The Defenders of Shannara by Terry Brooks. Those are all, next week's a big week. It is a big week. That is absolutely true. Well, speaking of things that are, oh, wait, no, we should t- no. We've got to tell them that if you want to find links and anything that's coming out in the calendar, go to swordandlaser.com/calendar. That's really good because all the way through February 2015 on there. That's a long time from now. It who is. knows where we'll be then? Those books will be coming can, out, but who knows where we'll be? Yeah, you can pre-order all of the books unless they're on Hachette. Well, Tom, I'm glad. <laughs> Too soon. Well, Tom, I'm glad you interrupted me because I was about to make a very bad segue into Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. What was it going to be? I It just wasn't going to make any sense. I was going to say, speaking of things that are big, <laughs> it didn't make any sense. Uh, okay. not, not my best work. Well, it could have made sense in a odd way. Nope. But let's talk about Nokomis.fl's post on the Sword and Laser forums about how two years ago Tor Books became the largest sci-fi publisher to go DRM-free. We mentioned that on the show two years ago. And Tom Doherty took the stage recently to explain why he dropped DRM from his books. Yes. Um, it, it, it is interesting. There's a whole post about it on Boing Boing, actually back from May 29th. Um, so this is a little bit older than I expected. Um, but yeah, they're, they're talking about why they have done what they did. Um, and it actually goes into some of the Hachette stuff as well and, and Amazon um, because of uh, DRM-free situations and uh, whatnot. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a long read, but you should definitely check it out over on boingboing.net. And uh, by the way, the Hachette thing today... Amazon offered to give 100% of the revenue from sales of Hachette books to the authors if Hachette would agree to it, which is almost dirty pool. Because like, the authors, there's been a lot of like, you're hurting the authors by doing this Amazon with your hardball negotiations. And this mm-hmm. is Amazon's response is to say, fine, we'll give up all our revenue to the authors if you will, Hachette. Oh, that is pretty dirty. Yeah. That is pretty dirty. Um, yeah, someone emailed us recently saying, why did we, um, why were we going through Amazon, through Barnes & Noble uh, for the anthology because they had DRM on, on their eBooks? And we said, well, actually, we're publishing everything through Lulu, and you can download a DRM-free version of, right. of the book uh, directly from Lulu, and then... That then goes out. Lulu handles all the publishing deals with Amazon and, and Barnes and Noble and the other ones. So we don't you say DRM free on Amazon, and I'm not certain that our Kindle version is with DRM. 
Yeah. So, yeah, you can, you can have we, it however in, in, you want it. In our Lulu settings, we say, please no DRM. Because we just roll like that. That's how we That's roll. That's how we roll, yeah. And uh, Kevin wants to point out um, an article about why we love to hate villains. He says, uh, while the article talks about TV and cinema, it applies to books as well. Is the fascination with Grimdark here to stay, or will taste change in a few years? What do you think? And then Andrew P. kind of goes on to say, I think it's already on the way out. Brandon Sanderson remarked on his recent book tour that he was deliberately writing heroic fiction instead of Grimdark, and it seems to be working out pretty well for him. But yeah, but Grimdark seems to be working out pretty well for Joe Abercrombie, it's just about taste. It doesn't have to be uh, one way or the other. It doesn't have to define which way fantasy goes just because one thing is popular right now. Uh, people are always going to be writing to to what they find exciting, what, they are, what they're passionate about. And uh, yeah, there's always going to be trends in fiction, uh, whether it's in sci-fi fantasy or just traditional fiction. Um, so I, I, you know, I think I don't know if it's that we love to like villains or I think we're always attracted to villains in some way. That's why they're in stories, because it makes a story yeah. interesting. Um, and the stories more complicated the villains, they are, the more interesting they are. Kind of boring. Right. Yeah. You need a bad guy. You need well, you need conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the most interesting stories are the ones where it's unclear who the villain is. Like maybe you think it's the villain is this person and then they have a redeeming quality and then the hero seems to have some less redeeming quality and it gets all complicated and that's Grimdark. Mm -hmm. And I think Grimdark received a boost in popularity because fantasy had been so positive for so long people liked the change they liked to see a little something different. I don't think Grimdark's ever going to go entirely away uh, because somebody like Joe Abercrombie is going to do a great job with it. But yes, now we've kind of gotten over that, ooh, this is different, and we're into the like, okay, I've seen a lot of this, so only the best people at it are going to continue. And then some other reaction, and I'm not saying we're going to go back to like, you know, blazing castles on a hillside with white ponies or anything, but there'll be another uh author come up with something that nobody else has had another take and then the trend will go that direction maybe it's going to be ancillary justice with you know pronounless books will suddenly become hot who knows who knows indeed um and speaking of the whole self-publishing thing that we were discussing a little bit earlier um david has a post uh called duty to self-publishing authors it's kind of a long post um but i'll kind of boil it down to the idea that he is he writes a lot of reviews on goodreads and on other sites And I think he feels bad because some of the first books by self-published authors aren't that good. And so he reviews them poorly. He gives them, you know, two or three stars or whatever. Um, But should he instead give them good reviews to encourage them to keep writing and keep self-publishing and improve their work down the line? Or should he just review how he feels? And then there's a lot of discussion about this, particularly by Gary, Um, And he says, I have some pretty strong thoughts on this one, and they come mostly from dealing with my own writing and work. In fact, I've struggled a lot with it. And I have to say, I don't think many people who self-publish their work have given any real thought. It shows in their product and in their responses to both critics and readers. So I'm going to take this opportunity to spell out some ideas. And then he goes on at length to uh to kind of go through his his opinion on that i'm not sure how to really condense this because it's quite long there's a lot of numbers so you guys will have to go and read it yourself um i'll read the first paragraph 
If a person reads 100 books per year and lives to be 100 years old, that is 10,000 books for a lifetime of reading. I think we have to recognize that this is pretty optimistic. According to Pew Research, the average man reads four books per year and the average woman six. So that's 10,000 books in a lifetime. Uh, and that's for a serious, pretty serious and long-lived reading hobbyist. If each of those books is 200 pages and it takes that person half a minute a page to read them, then we're talking about 1 million minutes or 16 to 17,000 hours. Again, those are optimistic numbers. By comparison, a full-time job is about 2,000 hours per week per year at work. That reading time represents what could be eight years at a job worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. It could be several college diplomas. Heck, it approaches the time required to raise a child. A serious reader should be given the respect that you would give any other person doing a job. So I think what he's getting to is that the obligation of a reviewer uh, is to review the way you should do a good job reviewing the books. Don't, yeah. don't mess around because they're just because you think that you owe someone a responsibility to could to build up their work. I agree with that. I I think if you are concerned with discouraging someone from the creative process, because yeah, maybe somebody as 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 uh, as he po- points out here, uh, Gary points out here, maybe somebody's writing is the equivalent of finger painting right now. But you have to start somewhere, right? And so if you're thinking, well, there. Prose is atrocious, but I don't want to discourage them because if they keep at it, eventually they may get better. Uh, then give constructive criticism in your review. I don't think you should lie and say you liked the book just to encourage someone because I don't think that does them any favors. You're mm-hmm. telling them that their bad work is good and then they won't improve uh, if you were the only feedback they got. So, you know, I would say don't just slam a book and say this book was awful and a piece of trash and should be thrown away. Uh, say, I didn't like this about the book. So because as someone who has written and self-published, I want that kind of feedback. That's always the more helpful kind of feedback is someone saying, I didn't like this. This confused me. This, you know, this particular part seemed awkward mm-hmm. because you're being specific. If you just say, I hated your book, that's not helpful either. Right. And it's funny too, because I think we're both kind of going through that now, especially with the anthology, um, which we self-published, you know, I, I keep looking at the reviews and being like, why are people giving it three stars? Or why did that one person give it one star? Yeah, you take it you, very and, personally, but you want you want honest feedback so you can do a better job next time. Yeah, um, exactly. But most of the reviews have been good. So thanks, guys. I'm glad you enjoyed the book. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, it's time to talk about the book of the month. And it's one of those months where we're kind of in the middle of reading it. And it's too early to wrap it up. I know Veronica's done. I'm not done yet. Uh, so we'll try to be non-spoilery here. So if you don't want to be spoiled on anything at all, you might want to jump out right now, but we aren't going to get super spoilery. I am very early in the book still because I was finishing traveling in space and and then I was actually traveling through space, Mm -hmm. not outer space. Um, I am enamored with this book from the beginning. I know that Octavia Butler is a fantastic writer, and of course I'm not disappointed in that way, but the concept and the way she draws you in just seems to to reflect a really good execution of so many different tropes woven in a way I wouldn't expect. Yeah, I was really taken with it immediately. Um, I I love the character of Lilith, um, and I, I really can't wait to dive into some of the subject matters that kind of pop up into the book when we do the wrap-up episode. Um, but like you said, it is pretty early in the month still, so I can't, I, I don't want to spoil it for anyone. I don't want to take away from the active discussions happening on Goodreads already. Um, 
But yeah, Lilith is a very cool character, and the situation that she's kind of thrown into is so unusual. And um, so that kind of brings me actually to the first the first uh, forum post um, that I kind of selected to to talk about uh, in this episode. Um, this one was by Joanna, and I don't think she goes too spoilery into um, into the actual book itself, but it's about the unequal relationships in the story. And if you've read through the book so far a little bit, um, you can kind of see where she might be going with this. Um, Joanna says, so I've read a few of Octavia Butler books, uh, and I've only now noticed a pattern. She portrays quite a few unequal relationships, where one part of a pair, or more, is significantly more powerful than the other. Often the more powerful one is fond of the less powerful and wants to protect them, but neither are they willing to let them go. Often the less powerful is attracted to the more powerful, but they are attracted against their will or better judgment and resent the fact that they cannot leave. Books of hers that I think have such relationships are Dawn, as we've seen, Fledgling, Bloodchild, and other stories, and Wildseed. Um, she goes on to explain a little bit about Kindred, another book uh, that she wrote. Um, but she goes on to say, so I have to wonder why this kind of relationship was so compelling for Butler that she chose to portray it multiple times. Uh, was it a way to try and communicate the types of relationships that her black slave ancestors would have been forced into? Um, that humans set at odds with themselves do interesting things? Yes. Uh, from the little that I've read, and I know there's probably people in the audience who've read a lot more about Octavia Butler herself, she was attempting to expose readers to ideas of race relations and feminism through her work in a way that would be easier for them to wrap their heads around. Because if you come at someone with an ideology that's different from their own, sometimes mm -hmm. they just block and they won't listen. Well, also Whereas if you come, come at it like race, this is a race discussion. Yeah. People get right. like, ah, All of a sudden people are like, ah, I don't want to talk about that. I'm right. uncomfortable. But you come at it through an, a, you know, an alien invasion story, then you, you don't realize you're exploring those issues. And I think it's really astute of Joanna to identify that because she is, from what I understand, intentionally putting some of these unequal power relationships out there to explore those issues in ways that are less divisive so that you don't take a side because you aren't a tentacled alien who doesn't actually have eyes and looks like a sea anemone. Uh, so you're not going to be offended when that sea anemone person is portrayed in a certain light. Mm -hmm. But then you do have a human character that everybody can identify with. And then suddenly you're put in a position that maybe isn't the position you live through, but you start to have a better empathy for what people who are human and are in that position all the time feel. Yeah. And I, I, I was definitely getting a sense of that, um, uh, reading the story and, and there's so many interesting dynamics between, uh, gosh, I really don't know how to pronounce Oloi. Oloi. Are you there yet? Eloy, you're, is oh. how they say the auto. Oh, how do they say it? Eloi. Eloi. Yeah. Hmm. Almost like Eloi from the, from the HG Wells time machine. Interesting. Eloy. Okay, because it's spelled O O L O I. Oiloi. 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 Um, there's so many, so many very, th like the, the sexuality themes in the book, the the relationship themes in the book, um, the inner interplay between the humans and the aliens, and the humans and the humans especially, I think is is very telling. Um, and yeah, I can't really, I can't wait to dive into this for for the wrap up. But like I said, I don't want to get into it too far today no but the, this is a good uh meta theme that you don't have to spoil too much uh of the book to talk about because 
I, I think it does cross a lot of Butler's works from what I understand. This is the first one I'm reading of it. Um, but at the same time, it's one of the things I love about it because you really are put in Lilith's place. No matter who you are, you understand her. Mm-hmm. You understand where she's coming from because she's in such alien circumstances. In fact, I, did you read Influx, Daniel Suarez's book yet? No, not yet. No. Uh, there are some very similar type scenes with totally different contexts around them. Really? Uh, that I have really enjoyed thinking about and comparing when when thinking about those first opening scenes when Lilith is in her room. Uh, and, and I find that quite interesting. Okay. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and I think there was already some discussions on the forums about, um, oh gosh, what was I going to talk about? Oh, human reactions to the aliens. And that's just something I want you guys to kind of keep in your mind as you're reading. Like, how would you react to this situation? Would you react the way um, that Lilith does? Or, or would you react to compl- a way more like a later character named Kurt reacts, for example? Um, so just kind of keep, keep an open mind and, and try to think like what your response would be in this situation, especially with some of the the ways the aliens kind of control the people, the way they kind of calm them, just... Keep that in mind as, as you do your read through so we can kind of bring that into the, the discussion when we're, we're further along. Excellent. Uh, but yeah, really enjoying it. And it seems like people are enjoying it on Goodreads as well. So um, it's a good pick. We, we, need to, we need to start talking about our July pick soon. Mm, I know. I have to pick our July pick, especially because we're going to be selling it uh, at the Borderlands event on July 31st. Do you know how you're so going to pick it? I don't. All right. Should I, should I just do a, a should I just pick it? What did like right now? No, not right now. Oh. I don't have any you resources do to do that. Pick? That would take too long. Um, yeah, we've had votes the pick. last few times, right? Okay, maybe I'll do a dictator pick. All right, I'll work. I'll work it out this week. I promise. We'll we'll get All a right. next pick. And I don't know if we even actually mentioned out loud, but we are reading Dawn by Octavia Butler, um, part of the Xenogenesis uh, Xenogenesis series, yeah. uh, book one of that series. So join us. Why don't you? The Name of the Wind is number one on the fantasy listopia, and I guess we never officially read it, huh? Mm. No, but I feel like everyone's read it already. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Well, yeah. I want something like not too recent, but not too old. I want something like 90s era. I think that's what I'm going to be looking for. Mm -hmm. For for completely arbitrary reasons. (laughs) Well, no, we, we actually haven't hit that era in a little while so that I, I get that okay cool well i think that about wraps it up unless there's anything else you wanted to add i don't have anything else uh thanks to all the folks at nerdtacular that came out to our sword and laser community management panel that mm-hmm. veronica and i did that was a lot of fun and of course we just had a blast at nerdtacular the whole weekend absolutely oh and of course um we have uh, we we are a member of the Boing Boing Podcast Network. Sorry, I lost my train of thought there for a second. That's what happens when you are reading Red Wine. Something fell off your train, Veronica. It I happens. got it here though. It's a sword and laser survey. Oh yes. It's it's how they help us find awesome people like Squarespace and Audible and all those folks. Short anonymous survey takes people no more than five minutes. Your answers will help match our show with advertisers that best fit the sensibilities of our podcasters, listeners like you. So you're not like being advertised something that you're like, I don't need that. You're advertised things like Audible that are perfect for you. Uh, Listeners who complete the survey will be entered in an ongoing monthly raffle 
to win a $100 Amazon gift card, and we promise not to share or sell your email address, and we won't send you an email unless you win. So it's safe. Go to www.podsurvey.com slash laser. That's www.podsurvey.com slash laser. Take the survey and get a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card and help Sword and Laser. Thank you. All right. So uh, you can check out more podcasts over on boingboing.net slash category slash podcasts. And of course, you can reach us at feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on Goodreads. And if you want to call and leave a voicemail, the phone number is 415-7-SWORD-6. We will see you guys next time. Adios. about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.